Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. I'm Kimberly Johnson in DC, and today I'm going to be talking with a truly fascinating woman, scientist Elena Christopoulos. Let me give you a little background about who she is because she's got an amazing resume. In early 2000, she implemented the first urban wind turbine in North America, which took more than 250 homes off the grid. She's managed over 40 successful political campaigns throughout the world, and her goal is to get more women into politics, which is absolutely fabulous. She wants to increase the number of female environmental scientists from 28% to uh, 50% over her lifetime and to continue to develop STEM programs. She's a rape survivor, and she became a commissioner with the city of Santa Monica to give a voice to women who don't have one. She's working on the Me Too movement for women in science and in STEM with Anita Hill, and she's also supporting and working toward the Equal Rights Amendment, which is something that is very close to my heart and something I've been working on for a long time. So today's show is going to be chock full of interesting. Uh, Before we get going, I'm going to talk to you today about my podcast, Start Me Up, but I also have a little bit to say about the uh, End Another Thing segment, so just listen to this one. As you know, the Start Me Up podcast is produced by me and me alone, and it's supported by listeners like you. I don't have the backing of corporate media, it's just me and you. So the the truth is, is that none of this would happen without you, and that's why your financial support is needed to keep the show on the air. When you get a chance, make sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash startmeup. Sign up for at least a dollar per month. You'll hardly even miss it, and you'll be supporting the show in the best possible way. Now, when I began the show in 2016, I created the $5 tier for the End Another Thing segment, and that's for patrons only. That's when I was doing one show, uh, I'm sorry, two shows per month, and now I'm doing one show a week. And Steph, my co-host, is only here for two shows per month. Uh, The end another thing is a little bit more difficult because I don't want to put interviewed guests behind paywalls. I don't think it's fair to them. So that segment is going through some reconstruction. Instead of doing the end another thing segment today, I will be doing a bonus free show tomorrow, which you can ask me anything and I'll answer your questions in order to do. We've done that before and it's really fun. So in order to do that, you can either send me your questions through Patreon direct messaging. You can post them on the comment section of this show on Patreon, or you can also uh, post them on Twitter. I will be specifically putting out the call tomorrow for Ask Me Anything, so there's that too. If you support the show for $5 a month, you will still get at least two and another things per month, sometimes more if I have a co-host as opposed to an interview, somebody that I'm interviewing, Um, and then also the bonus free shows. And as the show grows, I'm going to be figuring out what kind of perks to offer. I just hope that you'll stay with me on this podcasting journey because I love it so much. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup and look around the site. Listen to the shows. If you like what you hear, support the show for any dollar amount. That's $1, $5, $10, $20, anything. All righty. And now on to my conversation with scientist Elena Christopoulos. Welcome, Elena. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You have, and, and I hate to overuse this word, fascinating, but you have such a fascinating resume. I was uh, going over it in the introduction, and it's just so highly impressive. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> I know where I'm going to dig in, but I almost feel like I don't even know where to begin because you've got so much going on. So um, why don't you just start off by telling us about your background and, and, you know, your background of working in male-dominated fields in science and politics. 
Yes, yes. And yeah, just even as you say that, I, I do see some changes. Uh, yes, so I, I am half Greek, half Austrian. Um, I have a lot of European background in my growing up, and um, I had a privilege of, not when I was a kid, of growing up in Europe, uh, lived in Canada, did my university in Canada, and then now live in Santa Monica and in Toronto. Um, my background, so I, I saw at a really early age, one of my, I have a big fat Greek family, not physically, <laughs> just literally. <laughs> so my big fat and Greek family and uh, some of the smartest people I know are my aunts and they are farmers. They are not formally educated, uh, but they are the hardest working people. And growing up, they instilled upon me what we are doing to the planet. I mean, they, the appreciation of the soil, the appreciation of the water, the appreciation of where we get our water from, how we use it, how we grow, what we put on our plants. And, you know, there was a – I didn't have American peanut butter until I was – 13 I was had to be a teenager so that was I you know I had that I don't know if you remember so I was that kid who had to grind their own peanut butter right, right? <laughs> so it was so it was the kid who had that lunch who everyone was like what is that why are you eating red peppers and what is going on why <laughs> we have this nice white wonder bread and I just wanted white wonder bread and skippy peanut butter yeah um and you know, and so when I turned 13, I went to an American store with my parents kind of looking at me like I was some test and kind of I was like, What's, what, what, is, what do they know that I don't? And so I took a scoop of that peanut butter and I got violently ill and I saw my parents laughing like teenagers. You know, I was a teenager and I said, okay, I got it. And they said, look, if you read, read what's on the Skippy peanut butter. And I said, yes. And they said, well, so where's the peanut? Is it first, second, third, fourth? Where is it on the label? And I said, um, no, it's way down and there's a lot of chemicals. And they said, yes. So, you know, your body, you've been eating quite healthy and clean. So just know that that's kind of, you know, you can do what you want. You're 13, you're a teenager, you can do, but just, we wanted to kind of see this happening. And um, from then I, I started to I had an aunt at that time who sadly was a she's very instrumental in my life and my upbringing and she passed away of cancer and she didn't smoke and she ate healthy and all of this. And um, so I went to every doctor I could find and they were all men and I had my little eight track. I'm that old. So with my parents <laughs> and, you know, I <laughs> um, kept asking why on earth my aunt passed away. And no one had an answer for me. And they kept looking at my parents and my parents said, you know, our daughter's asking, we're not asking, you know? And I said, she, she drank this water. She ate healthy. I knew, you know, what happened. And so it kind of got me into a very, I was always a very questioning person. So from that, I kind of said, oh, so why are all doctors, my parents, why, why, are, why are all these scientists and doctors men? Where are the women? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that kind of got me into looking at where are the women? Why, mm -hmm. why are they not around? And uh, so I knew I wanted to become a scientist, and I realized quickly what that meant. And uh, so from there, yeah, that's, that was always it's a long story. A little bit of a long story. I got into politics, but, you know, it, it was really kind of I wanted to not just open the door 
into male-dominated fields. Mm-hmm. I wanted to break the door down. <laughs> it really, you know, <laughs> upset me because, um, you know, I, I'm a Leo and I have a strong personality <laughs> and, you know, I, I've owned my voice for quite some time and that's a privilege. But I've also seen other fabulous, talented women not being able to get in there and trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I went to at Queen's University in Canada. I got my schooling as a chemist and uh, I had this crazy idea of putting up a wind turbine in downtown Toronto, which I did. And uh, everyone kept telling me I was crazy. And I was told at a young age, if people, if you got an idea and people tell you you're crazy, it's never going to happen. Keep going because you're on the right path. <laughs> right, yeah. And <laughs> so uh, I got it up and took 200, almost 300 homes off the grid. That's amazing. And yeah, and you know, and it was a very diverse team, most mostly women, and uh, from different backgrounds. Because I thought, why not different diverse backgrounds meaning diverse like, outcomes, and mm-hmm. that's that's where I got into science. And I, the mayor, there was a man running for mayor of Toronto who approached me and said, Elena, you know, you've done such a great campaign with um, getting this wind turbine up would you like to run my political campaign? Huh. And I said, I, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, which to, I said, that's my younger self in my twenties said, you know, I don't have a political science background. And he said, it doesn't really matter. You, you know, you ran an environmental campaign. If you like what I stand for, you know, if, if you can think about it. And I, I went to three men in my life who are mentors and still mentors to this day. And I said, you know, I'm really thinking about this. And they all laughed. And I said, why are you laughing? And that at me. And I said, because if a man was asked the question, they would fake it till they make it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. they, they said, so what's your, do you like his platform? Is it that, or what's the barrier for you? And I said, no, I just, I don't have, it's kind of that imposter syndrome. I don't have a mm-hmm. political science background. I mean, I, I come from a very political family, but that doesn't, give me criteria and I said Elena most people in politics don't have a political science background, <laughs> you know so so you know it's and if you want to do this you know we'll help you and uh, two of them had a you know uh, a glorious career in politics and quite well known and I said okay let's go and he became mayor of Toronto and and that's kind of how I came back and forth to either working on an environmental campaign or a political campaign. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. When, as a scientist, have you experienced any kind of, um, you know, sexism, chauvinism in your field? Oh, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> me too in STEM, oh my goodness, yeah. yes, yes, oh, yes. All the time, from back from, actually, I can remember as early as public school, all the way through university, through on the field. Unfortunately, yes. yes. And, and so how does yes. that come about? Like, what are, what are some of the um, individual experiences you've had that you can maybe point to where somebody was sure. you know, chauvinistic to you? Sure. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, yeah, just where, where you experienced either chauvinism or sexism or something like that. Um. So in in university, which it's changed now, uh, hopefully the stats aren't showing it, but I was most of the time the only woman in a lot of physics classes or science classes. And, you know, um, 
they, a lot of the some of my classmates would bring in things or or call me nicknames or I had a, a teacher's assistant would say um, call me a name and and it was just you know to discourage me from continuing. What kind um, of name would they call you? Well, they would you know which because I grew up I had a very distinct I guess background. Someone called me Peaches and I had no idea. I thought that was okay, I have peaches and cream complexion. I had no idea that I had to do it with my chest, right? right, right so I right. thought, oh, that's a nice compliment because I was Aww. insecure about my face, right? <laughs> so uh, peaches was a nickname. Um, some people would bring thongs to class um, and kind of throw them my way. You mean like and, underwear? Uh, an actual underwear, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I would say, hey, the goodwill's around the corner. You just wasted five dollars. Wow. You know, so next time, know my size. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I, I have to, I, you know, so my that for my twenties, you know, and also, in, you know, in high school, I had a science teacher ask me out to the prom. Oh my god. And yeah, and I remember going straight to the principal and telling the principal, and. uh the principal, who was who was a man, who was fabulous, and believed me immediately. And the uh, the teacher was fired. Wow. But you know, yeah, and I, I was just so it was kind of, it was kind of a norm a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had this badass badassery, so to speak, mm-hmm. of you know my walls were always up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was just always like, why am I always fighting this? You know, and. Um, you know, I, I don't, there's so many stories, some of the, and I mean, they got worse as into my career. I mean, you know, I was, I've been harassed in my career. I've been, you know, it's, it's more common better than not. I mean, from the laboratory to um, the boardroom. And this was taking place in Canada, correct? Um, well, both Canada and here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously it happens in the U.S. It, I'd like to think that some other countries are better, but evidently not. <laughs> no, no, no. And I I think a lot of it is, you know, it's what's happened is bad behavior is rewarded, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, I was always scrappy and, you know, I was always with, had my hands up to ready for almost like I was going to... A, West Side Story fight or something yeah. like that, but it was you know <laughs> I I also knew quite early that as a white woman I had privilege. Yeah, right, right. So people would believe me over my friends of, of color. So that's just I saw that very quickly and very early in my in my life. Now you said, I mean, you, you mentioned you're a Leo, I think is interesting considering you're a scientist <laughs> and sometimes you know the astrology and the scientist thing doesn't doesn't mix, but. Leos are supposed. I mean, I you know Madonna is a Leo. I have a cousin who yes. uh, is a Leo, and she is one strong ass woman. Um, I mean, I I always say like I can't even imagine her and Madonna in the same room. They they were born the same year, and they're both like these blonde, um, bombastic bombshells. And I just I swear mm. to God, I can't even imagine. But anyway, the idea is that the Leos are strong. Leos are leaders, like the lion. Mm. So I'm kind right. of curious when you know when you were going through, considering you have like this strong personality, when you were going through some of this sexism, were your feelings ever hurt, or or did it? Was it something where you felt like sad and then you got angry or, or did you, did it immediately make you like 
F you, fuck you. I'm going to, I'm going to be as badass as I can. Like, did you feel like a rebellion? Mm. So, yes. So, and yes, it's funny. I share my birthday is the same day as Madonna, different year. Hmm. Yes, same day. So it's a powerful day. And now, unfortunately, Elvis's death and some, and um, Easy Rider, the actor. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, what's his name? Peter. Peter Fonda. Uh, yes, passed away on my birthday. So, um, yeah, I think I went right, I think also early on, I went right to like, F you. Yeah, I went right to there, right? <laughs> to, like, don't, you're not, and, you know, I am a natural blonde, not the blonde I am now. I'm a little blonder <laughs> with help, but, <laughs> you know, I dyed my hair black and I went into the oh, interesting, harsh thing. Yeah, I was like, you're not fucking with me. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, you know? Did you dye and, your hair uh, black? Let me ask you, did you dye your hair black because women with blonde hair are taken less seriously? Or was it more of like a punk rock thing? No, although I love punk rock, I wish that was the answer. But actually, you know, I, I uh, uh, will go anywhere to see Iggy Pop. But no, actually, it's really the first. It was seeing what I was wearing and what I was doing, and seeing to be taken more seriously. Okay, if I have a mom-ish haircut and dye it brown or black, and wear you know very uh, loose-fitting clothing, so I had this whole thing to be treated seriously because I right. saw yeah there was a for me at a in my 20s it was I was treated very differently huh. yes yeah I mean I've been blonde I've never I've never changed my hair color and I've always been blonde mm. and you know I mean I in in the careers that I've chosen it hasn't necessarily hurt me or at least not to my mm. knowledge I mean I've been in sales and I've been I've been an actress and then a writer obviously as a writer right. or a podcaster your hair cut color doesn't matter but obviously women with blonde hair are usually taken less seriously than brunettes which is ridiculous yes. but it is what it is and hopefully women like you are helping um all of us to overcome that ridiculous patriarchal stereotype stereotype um so now when you say you you had you said you managed over 40 campaigns um <coughs> Tell us a little bit about that, and were they all women? I know that you're looking to get – I know you're looking to bring the number up from 28% to 50% of women. In, is it STEM specifically that you're looking for that? STEM or STEAM, but also in politics as well. Okay. Um, I, yes, because it's actually – you know, with the advent of social media and Instagram or the gram or whatnot, what the kids call it, you know, <laughs> they're – you know, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's confidence, not competence, which is a barrier for a lot of younger women oh, getting yeah. into science. And um, it's, it's at a, it's at a point where they're in eighth grade or whatnot, where you, women or girls at that age tend to not think science is sexy, don't know about a career. And there's not a lot of role models on social media who are portraying that, right? But at the same time, there is this confidence that men are just boys just have mm -hmm. if you're a white straight boy you've yeah. got it and um you know so that's it's how what does that look like so i you know i teach a lot um i guess lecture i mean i taught at one class that i saw 
which was, I, I guess, to geek out, but I, I loved organic chemistry. I just loved there was a science and an art together with it. And people in my university thought I was, you know, I mean, no, my professor even said, don't, don't say that out loud. Hmm. You know, don't, just don't say that as a joke, right? He hmm. said, it's fabulous. But I saw this in uh, university for a lot of women and men. Um, that's, that's kind of a course that if you don't pass, you're not going to get into medicine or medical school, right? Hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty important class. And so I started on my own helping and tutoring others. And hmm. I just, I enjoyed that. And um, I just, my, I have a math, uh, a left side brain. And so when things came easy, I just wanted to share that with others, hmm. um, whomever that may be. Um, in terms of, um, yes, I think in terms of my, about hair color and how we're perceived, I, I'm, I have to, my hairdresser at, when I was 29 and I was getting, was going to Europe for, to travel for work and, and, uh, I didn't trust the hairdresser over in Europe at that time. And I said, you know, let's just go to my, let's take the dark out. Let's go natural, right? Let's go, let's, let's go blonde. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, not, I'm on my Blackberry, that, that blue Blackberry, which I loved so much, which was indestructible. What a horrible phone that you could throw around by hacky sack <laughs> with, you know? And, uh, I, I missed the moment, but, um, which he says, wow, finally, you're letting the light in. Hmm. And I, I said, the light in? I said, just, yeah, blonde, if that's what you mean by light. <laughs> and I just kept, you know, I, you know, completely over my head. Yeah. And until I did, for some of the, it was, I was installing wind farms in Greece and solar, and I was bringing a team of, of at least 55% women wow. in every team I have. And when I went to see these aunts of mine who are the farmers, they said, wow, you're back. Wow. And I said, what? yeah, and I said, what do you mean? And they said, no, this is you. You were covering or hiding yourself. We, we never understood why. Like, this is you. This is your power. Mm -hmm. And don't let anyone else ever take it or try to take it. Wow. And I don't know if it was a jet lag or I finally got the message. <laughs> right. And I began to cry, you know, oh, so, wow. but I got it. Yeah. So when yeah. you're when you're mentor or when you're helping people on political campaigns, um, mm -hmm. how, you know wh what do you do? How how do you help these people? So because my my very background and whatnot, so either it's uh, help with a climate change or environmental platform, uh -huh. also to help candidates, both men and women. You know, it's it's if the candidates. If I, I have to believe in them, you know, I'm also yeah. at that point in my life, right? And it's, but it's also, it's, it's a moral compass for me, right? I mean, I've had, I'm um, writing a book uh, about my life and experiences on campaigns, and I look back now and just think, my goodness, how did I, you know, survive some of those? Hmm. But, um, you know, now I'm at a point in my life where it's a promise to myself that I need to, this needs to be a good person mm -hmm. or I'm just going to, you know, I don't, I can give advice or if, if I'm asked to be an advisor, whether it be um, in science or whether it be how to, and that's, that's especially in the U S right now too, is climate change, which mm -hmm. on either side of the aisle, you have people going, yes, well, what, how does that affect my daily life? And yes, it's climate crisis, but, or you get the eyes rolled back in the back of their heads. Right. And, you know, so it's looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. So 
So I'm more solutions oriented in that aspect. I'm also, you know, looking at the the I I've been, I ask I get asked to either advise a team and look, I look at the team and it's it says okay if there's if I'm the only woman on the team, you know, or you, or you don't have any diversity in the team, um, you're going to have like how do you how do you know anything else, mm-hmm. right? You need different people on your team to give you different experiences and. What candidates, the best candidates out there um, and who are best elected officials are ones who really, really listen Mm -hmm. and are not afraid of, you know, I mean, you have to have an ego when you run for office. Who's kidding, right? You know, you're on 24-7 at the show. But if you really listen to constituents and have that moment, um, that's, you know, that's, that's where you see those candidates lies where other candidates will stay stagnant. So just out of curiosity, do you have a specific mm-hmm. favorite uh, presidential candidate for 2020? <laughs> um, I, I have a few. Uh-huh. Um, so I have a top, I guess, top three of, I don't know if anyone else has joined the race today. It's still too early to say. <laughs> right. But, you know, <laughs> just, you know, I, it's, um, and it's, it's hard because I've also visited, you know, I'm, I live in California where a lot of people in the middle of the country call California the land of the fruits and nuts, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, that's what my, saying, my, my that's grandfather saying. used to call it the granola state. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that's, um, I still don't really get the connection, but yes, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, but, um, yeah, I mean, I love, I love Elizabeth Warren's energy. She mm-hmm. genuinely has that energy. She outruns yeah. anyone on the team. You know, she, and when, whether it's a group or whether it's one-on-one, she does listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have, when I ask other friends of mine who are independent or on the other side of the aisle, they say, oh, her voice, that's her voice. And I said, you know, that's sexist, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what they always say. They right. said the same thing about Hillary. Right. Right. Her voice. We can't stand listening to her. And yeah. I said, well, do you, it's a straight man. I said, is your wife, do you like her voice? Yeah. You know, how about your daughters? You know, like, would you say the same thing to them? So, you know, trying to, to see it from their point, if they yeah. can see it from their point of view. Um, so I like her energy. And I also like that she is really listening to black women mm-hmm. and especially black trans women, which mm-hmm. uh, is amazing. And uh, I do like, the others i like i don't think he he'll do that well i like julian castro i knew mm-hmm. him, him back in the obama days yeah um i think he's someone to watch he's got a very diverse team and diverse message and he's great on housing and that's his issue really right. um i love him. i i really yeah you yeah. do i mean my first choice why is you, elizabeth mm. warren but i'm sorry go ahead mm. no wh- why do you like castro um well the part of the reason i like him is Okay, first of all, I had in my intro, I talked about your interest in the Equal Rights Amendment, and I am an Equal Rights Amendment mm-hmm. activist. And I'm just going to throw in a little bit of um, history here. I and, and people who are listening kind of already know this, but back in, I think it was 2018, I was asked to help federal, it was a federal prosecutor, Renato Mariotti, he was running for uh, Illinois Attorney General. So he asked me if I would right. help amplify his campaign, and I got put into this chat room and Alyssa Milano, actress Alyssa Milano was there. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I knew at the time that uh, the ERA was, you know, they were working on getting it ratified. And so I asked if he, you know, had any interest or, or knowledge about it. And so 
I was kind of hoping, because I've been an ERA activist since 2012, so I was kind of hoping that mm-hmm. Alyssa would see it. And she did. And she's like, what is this? And so I, I gave her like a paragraph and said, you know, if you're interested in learning more, I'll send you some stuff over email. And she said, this is going to become my new miss- mission. And I was like, what? I was literally dancing around my home. And I was so happy because I had been looking for her or somebody like her to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment more than just a tweet or two. So anyway, she got involved and she really went in, you know, just dove in and she Mm -hmm. was working with Carolyn Maloney and Jerry Nadler Mm -hmm. and um, so they had a shadow Carolyn Maloney had a shadow hearing and this was all going to be about Julian Castro so they had a a, Mm -hmm. a shadow hearing back in 2018 when Carolyn Maloney couldn't get an actual hearing because it was the ERA and then I guess because Alyssa had just been working so hard you know writing op-eds in high profile magazines and stuff Eventually, um, they did get this year an actual hearing for the ERA. And, you know, as we sit here today, we have one more state that needs to be ratified. We're going to need to overcome the um, that stupid expiration date that and, you know, that expired back in the 80s. We got to get rid of that. And then we get that one more Mm -hmm. state and we're in. So anyway, there was this really important hearing that was held earlier this year. And I, you know, I, I. Everybody who works on the ERA in any way, as Alice Paul, who wrote it, said that we are all parts of this mosaic. So I consider myself a part of the mosaic. I was really pleased to introduce Alyssa Milano to it, which she helped bring a lot of uh, national attention to the issue. And because of that, um, Julian Castro was the first candidate on the debate stage to talk about the importance of the ERA, which was just fantastic because that led to um, more candidates talking about it. I know that Kamala Harris uh, came out in support of it, you know, as a can. I mean, not that she hadn't been like it wasn't her first time support, but she there was an article written about how she said we need to get the ERA ratified. So she was the first candidate to talk about it. Period. But um, Julian talked about it on the stage, mm-hmm. and I, I really like him because he is mm-hmm. um, he reminds me a little bit of Obama in that he's very mm-hmm. centered and measured, and clearly he is incredibly intelligent. He comes from, and again, he comes from a background that's not so far away from Obama. He had a single mother, and she raised mm-hmm. both of her sons, um, you know, his twin brother, and who, of course, mm-hmm. his name is escaping me, but it's Julian, and uh, I'm t- I can't remember. But, um, I, and, and his brother showed up at the ERA, the ERA shadow hearing, so they're both supportive. And I just, I think that he is somebody who, obviously, he's not going to make it now the party isn't really getting behind him and i don't think that's out of the fact that they don't like him i think that he just needs to do some more stuff you know he needs to get he needs to thicken up his resume and get some more experience and i do think that he's uh whether or you know i mean we'll see where he goes and because i think he's got um so much potential for this consider hopefully the democratic administration that's going to be coming in um so you know we'll see where he goes but i do see down the line you know i could totally see him being president so elizabeth warren is my very first choice um Mm. but i really love julian i just think he's wonderful yes and he's you know he's authentic yes you know and there's almost you know there's there's he's humble and it's almost you know it's there, there needs to be a little bit more fire there, you know, yeah. at the same time, that's, that's kind of who he is. Right. right. And yes, Joaquin, his brother, who they're very Joaquin, supportive of you, each other. Yes. yes, of course. And, 
you know, I think when, you know, when you look at other, other candidates, um, you know, to be frank, he's not, he's up there, but, you know, most of the middle of the country still do like Biden, yeah. you know, and um, maybe Biden 10 years ago, but, you know, it's yeah. also, we've come so far right of the pendulum that, you know, to go left, um, you know, I've had some really interesting discussions with Republicans across the country, and I've asked, you know, their focus groups about what they thought of the Democratic debates recently. And, you know, one of them, or a few actually, uh, one focus group, which was really interesting, said, Lenny, you know, I love what they're saying, but nothing is free. <sighs> so why don't, why don't people talk to us like we're adults? You know, like we're going to pay and that's fine, pay taxes or pay where that comes from. But, you know, I don't, this whole free this, free that, free this, you know, and it's, yeah. they, they have a point. Yeah, they do. It's, and you know, and I think, um, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is pretty good at explaining where money is going to come from. Mm-hmm. I do think that she, she could get better on the way she describes health care. Um, you know, she, I, I know she was pressed by Chris Matthews about where we're going to yes. pay for this. And, and unfortunately, I was not happy with her answer because I think it's better to just say, yes, you are going to pay more taxes, but here's the math. You're going to be paying right. less. You're not going to be having any kind of you know, um, insurance payment. So that's out of the picture. Right. You're not going to have to worry about co-pays. You're not going to have to worry about it. So, so when you do the math, it either equals out or you save money. And I wish that she would do the math on that. I totally I, – I don't understand. Sometimes, you know, democratic messaging – just mm-hmm. doesn't cut it. And I think in this case, I wish that she would be a little more specific about it because the truth of the matter is, you know, that's, that is the way it's going to go. You're, you're going to just pay, you're going to pay a little bit more in taxes and you're going to not have to deal with monthly premiums. Right. Right. And, and you're going to be covered. Right. And that's, yeah. you know, because, you know, I have healthcare here and in Canada. Right. So, I I can talk about my, the public health care system in Canada, right? So, and it's you know Canada is not a social socialist country, you know, and so it's okay. You know, people can relax. We're not you know and things like that. But it's it is you know we have social programs in this country in the U.S. and in Canada we you know so we have the public system. I've had the same doctor since I was nineteen. Hmm. Um, I you know so when I've taken friends to kind of go with you know, what, like, what a trip to the doctor looks like. And, you know, my doctor, we chat, we talk about his family, et cetera. And, you know, I've taken some friends, and sometimes a friend may have like a sty or something. I was like, oh, can you check out my friend's sty? And they're like, well, they're already thinking, well, they know, you know, how much is that going to cost? And I said, it's not going to cost, you know, because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to cost you know, there's no copay, there's right. no middleman, right? So exactly what you said. And it's kind of, I think it's when we, you know, and I, you know, I, universal health care for everyone to be covered. So, you know, where there's, you know, and I understand um, younger generations, they want Medicare for all now. And this country doesn't move that way. Right, right? exactly. And, you know, and in the middle of the country, which is the bellwether of, this country and why we have the president we have, they, it's incremental steps, mm-hmm. you know, it's, Always. and you know, so that very, when you say it's, it's free or Medicare for all or no middle ground, you know, it's, it's, 
divisive. Yeah, and, and I, it's confusing I, too. You know, yeah. I, and that's where I think Elizabeth Warren, and same with Pete Buttigieg, except I, I like Pete. Me too. Um, I like how he's bringing faith into his, his uh, you know, well, he talks about his purpose and faith and how it plays into his daily life, but at the same time, you know, faith regardless of what side you're not, it's not a Republican thing, right? right? And, you know, so to bring faith and to represent the LGBTQIA community and a woman's choice is her choice, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and it's also the messaging there, right? Like everyone's pro-life. We're all, it's just that we're not, you know, it's anti be anti-choice. Yes. You know, my choice is, you know, my, my business. Right. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think, I've been thinking about this Joe Biden thing and, and people liking him. <clears throat> I think, I think really, look, Joe Biden is a good guy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he worked with Obama. And I think his popularity, I mean, everybody says this, and it's true. Right now, his popularity comes from his polling numbers, as well as the fact that he was vice president to one of the most beloved presidents that we've had, at least in my lifetime. And so Mm -hmm. I think people feel as if, A, only a white man is going to beat Trump, and B, that... um, Joe feels familiar and he feel he he reminds of us of a time when things were normal. And so what that tells me is nobody's basing their support on him because he's got these great ideas or he's got this individual um kind of plan for the country. It's all about I'm a man and I can beat Trump. And you know when it really comes down to it, I don't support Joe Walsh in, uh, in his run at all. Um, But I do support the fact that he's running because he is just as much of an asshole or more than Donald Trump. And he's going to be able to (laughs) troll Donald Trump in such a way. And he hasn't really started. I mean, he kind of has, but he hasn't really started yet. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him troll Donald Trump because that's going to take attention away from Democrats. You know, Donald's going to have to during this primary, he's going to have to defend himself Mm -hmm. to Republicans because of what a Republican is saying about him. And uh, I think that when you say like a white man can be, I don't think Joe Walsh is going to beat him out of the primary or anything like that. But I think he's the one who can go toe to toe because he's mean. Joe Biden isn't mean. You know, he's a nice man. He, he comes from a different time and he's got, you know, um, while he means well, I think sometimes he, his messaging is old school and it, it, it hasn't caught yeah. up to the times. I think he, he right. means to to do that, but I mean, it's like the idea of every time he says something, then everybody on Twitter goes, well, what he meant to say was, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I certainly will vote for the, for the Democratic nominee, whoever it is. I just, I feel a little resentful that Joe Biden is viewed as the person that's going to save us, because frankly, I would feel, you know, I mean, I would like for a woman to win. We have qualified women running. Yes. And they would be yes. good presidents. And I think that they're, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say they're more qualified than Joe because he obviously has been around for a while, but I think they would be more effective than him. And I think they would be better presidents. But if, if, if it's going to have to be a man, right, if it's just going to have to freaking be a man and we still have to wait for a woman, I would feel more confident with somebody like Julian Castro because he has an yeah. individual plan for our country where Joe is just like, hey, I'm just reminding you all that, you know, I was around when it was normal and I'm going to bring it back to normal. And it's like, that's not enough. It's just not enough. No. So no, that's my little we, rant. Yes. We've swung <laughs> too far to the right. It's a different, it's a different world, a different era. It's 
completely different. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's and so I mean I don't know what's going to happen, and it's kind of like the idea of him becoming the nominee makes me feel resentful, and it's not because he's a man. You know, if if we got a man, mm-hmm. like I said, if it were Julian Castro, I would be disappointed mm-hmm. that it wasn't a woman, but I would be very excited. And it's not going to be him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the numbers. But if it, you know, if that's the case, I would be like, yeah, man, this guy is freaking great, and I really love his vision. <laughs> I can't say that about Joe Biden. I don't, you know, I mean, but the one thing with Joe Biden, going back to what you were saying about incremental change, I do think that's the message that is important because that's how things like you said, get done in this country. And, you know, it goes back to marriage equality. I've said this before that, you know, uh, 10 years ago or whatever the day, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. Oh, that was just something that was unheard of. And then slowly but surely it happened. And so the same goes for Medicare for all, single payer. Slowly mm-hmm. but surely we're going to, you know, improve on Obamacare. And then eventually it will become an option. And then people mm-hmm. will just go with that option. And it won't be about I'm taking away your insurance. It'll be about you get to choose. You can either keep your insurance plan or you can go on single payer. And then everybody's just going to flock to mm-hmm. single payer. You know, and of course, there's mm-hmm. still going to be supplemental insurance for different things. But just for basic health care, everybody's going to run over because why, why wouldn't they? You know? Yes. Yes. So. Yes. And, it's, and that, it just it takes, you know, as it takes time. Right. And that's where I think, you know, for us, if you're a Democrat, for, to win the independents and the Republicans, it's. You know this whole no middle ground. This it's not because there are a lot of Republicans who, who are shamed that they voted for this president. Mm-hmm. You know, so and they're ready for a new person. And you know who I've talked to across the country, they're ready to vote. You know, there's they're actually ready to vote. Period. There's a mm-hmm. lot of people who didn't, right? Yeah. And uh, you know because they didn't think Hillary, they didn't vote for Hillary, they didn't vote for Trump. So. Um, there's, it's also, you know, getting people to the polls for someone at the same time, flipping the, the Trump voters. Cause there were a lot of, uh, there's some Obama voters that went to Trump yeah. and that's, you know, when you have these conversations, I just feel, you know, shaming anyone really doesn't, I don't know, for me personally, I have not seen it work well. You know, shame. So it's understanding why someone voted for Trump, and if whether it was for tax reasons or whether it was for mm-hmm. something else, or you know, you know, it's. And I mean, it's some hard conversations and discussions I've had where you know it's, but to hear why people voted for him, why it's also people, it's not just people in rural areas that voted for Trump. I mean, I think it's fifty-five percent of women, white women in Beverly Hills, voted for Trump. Yeah. I mean, it's. Horrific, you know, and these white women with these shirts that say "Women for Trump." Yeah, yeah, I know my fair share. I mean, I I I went to school with some, and I I was friendly with um, Mm. some women who, you know, voted for Trump. I twenty years ago, thirty years ago, whatever. I mean, I'm fifty one, so there was a friend that I had that uh, she lived in New York and. Well, first I met her in Los Angeles when I used to live there, but she had moved to New York and we stayed friends. And then I saw she had posted a picture of herself with Donald Trump because she used to be a model. Mm-hmm. And um, so mm-hmm. she, this was in 2016. And, I, and then somebody said, are you going to vote for him? And she said that she would. And I was like, Ugh. so oh. I, you know, I didn't say anything at the time because I figured that um, he wasn't going to win. And then when he did win, I just couldn't even stomach it. You know, I was like, I can't. Mm-hmm you're free to vote for who you want, but I didn't realize that you were so disconnected to reality. And 
you know, she certainly wasn't one of the forgotten ones that, you know, wasn't yeah. earning enough money. She had, she is, she's somebody that doesn't necessarily have her own money, but she married money and her parents have money. So she, she wasn't one of these people who, you know, slipped between the cracks when Obama was president and had to work five right. jobs. And it was just disgusting to me. So it's like, I'm not going to shame her. I just can't even talk to her. But, um, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't, there's a couple of people that I, I, you know, knew growing up that I just said, I can't, I can't do this. And, you know, it's not even that I, um, hate them. It's just that I don't, I don't, I don't understand where they're coming from. And I can't be friends with someone who would vote for him after he made fun of, you know, the disabled Mm -hmm. journalist after he talked about Mm -hmm. grabbing pussy and he was accused by all these women Mm -hmm. of rape. I mean, it was like, really? you're going to justify him because why he owns the libs all the time by being a stupid fucking asshole. (laughs) It's just like, there is, there is, I just don't get it. Um, but I'm going, I'm going off on a tangent. You know, I, I, I'm kind of curious when, when you are, um, managing these political campaigns, are you telling people how to talk specifically about climate? Yes. Yes. And that's that's your main goal. uh, Number one thing. Yes. Yeah. But that, and so, you know, I, As a blogger, and then, you know, my boyfriend, Bob Seska, has written about climate. And so my mother has also, as a blogger, written about climate. And the one lament by every blogger who writes about climate is that nobody wants to read those articles. And it's true. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, you know, when I write about the Equal Rights Amendment, um, it's getting better. Mm -hmm. But no one would want to read those articles. So I'm kind of curious as far as... Is there a way to talk about climate? I think the reason we don't want to read about it is because it's kind of like um, reading about, if you're a smoker, it's, it's reading about how cigarettes are going to give you cancer. You don't want to, you just don't want to know. You'd rather just smoke your cigarettes and pretend that you're not going to get cancer. And I say that as an ex-smoker. So I know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. I know there was that movie, um, Thank You for Smoking. And mm. I never mm. saw it. I wouldn't watch it because it was like I didn't want to be reminded that what I'm doing could cause cancer. Mm. And I kind of mm. think in terms of climate that way in that if we pay attention to it, that means we have to make drastic changes. It means we have to, you know, stop using as much plastic. It means we have to, you know, all these things that we're going to have to do in order to I mean, there's personal responsibility for you know individuals. And then obviously there's government responsibility. So I guess what I'm getting to is, is there a way that we can talk about climate that's either sexy or that's a, something that will make these people who are kind of sticking their heads in the sand pay attention? Yes, yes. And I, well, and I think it's also not getting into the, you know, 440 parts per million and not getting, you know, I'm a PhD chemist. I'm not going to, you know, talk to someone about that. But it's, you know, that's some people have are starting to use the word if you see on Twitter, climate chaos, right? Hmm. Like it's, it's yeah. we are, I mean, you know, so some people. And I think white men are attracted more to that climate mm. chaos. I would say um, it's kind of like a you know a Terminator. The world is coming to an end. Which right. no, it's you know. And then there's okay, we get it, we get it, but we want some solutions. And I have to say, around the country, um, it's hearing the stories. That, and it's not. I mean, as a scientist, I never thought in my life I'd ever have to say climate change is real. Yeah, I really. Have to say that, you know, and it's, you know, I, 
that's the thing with facts. Facts are facts. You, you can either like it or not, but it's real, right? Mm-hmm. This is, there's proof. And it's not weather, it's climate change, yeah. right? So there's a difference in weather. So um, I think it's, you know, it's beginning to get some traction, but it's, I think people are looking like, what can I do? And there's um, Project Drawdown, which talks about ways to solve climate crisis, um, which one of them is actually to uh, get teach women, get women involved, especially in third world countries, um, getting them microfinancing, getting them in uh, solar communities. It's important getting our girls and women educated. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the big things. Um, in this country, it's, you know, it's, it's also, I, I think, great storytelling is important mm-hmm. um, uh, for mm-hmm. any videos, for anything that goes out. And some of the best people who are on the front lines are farmers. And they're not the best communicators, and they'll, they'll be the first to tell you that. But mm-hmm. I mean, actually, they, in that there's a beauty in it, mm-hmm. right? So there's a couple of farmers I'm working with in Northern California and you know, I go to their farm and they're close to getting off the grid net zero. And I had no idea mm-hmm. that they did this. And I said, oh yeah, Elena, we're just doing this. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is a big deal you're doing. And, you know, I said, why? And I said, well, it's, it makes financial sense and, you know, it's the best, it's the right thing to do. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I said, so what, what else are you, you doing here? And he said, well, you know, we're doing regenerative agriculture, right? Which farmers around the world have been doing for years. And, you know, it's, it's still eating your meat and things like that. And it's, but it's also how you take care of the soil and you, how you're capturing the soil. How, sorry, how you're capturing carbon into the soil, mm-hmm. right? So it's all, they've been doing this for years. So it's, but actually hearing what I think is effective and some candidates, I hope, will do more of this, is the stories of farmers, right, from their – because yeah. it's not a left thing or a right thing. It's – well, it's the right issue. It's the right – it's the truth from a farmer's mouth. And most farmers are conservative, mm-hmm. right, in their, in their vote. Um, yet they're so progressive in – and I'm careful with that word. That word I feel is being used every day. It's – I feel it's almost vanilla at this point. Everything's progressive. Mm-hmm. But – um, uh, is hearing what farmers are doing, right? Because where they're, where they're doing, how they're doing this and educating, right? You know, and it's from, I guess, you know, I've composted my whole entire life, but that's, also, you know, my family, Europeans, my, uh, my, my great aunts and uncles, they have always done that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when we, the whole 1950s came, this whole throwaway culture, and it was, you know, we must buy new clothes and get rid of things and plastic. And, you know, where cultures before, or generations before, rather, it was, no, you kept your clothes or you, you know, you you kept your, well, jeans weren't around then, but you kept, you know, the clothes you had or the shoes you had and mm-hmm. didn't throw away things. There was also kind of a value to it. You know, and and I think there's that's slowly coming back. You know, in, in a circular economy, so that we have zero waste. And I think people are, regardless. You know, I, I'm, I don't know what the president's tweeted this morning, but you know, <laughs> this. I think because I've implemented many wind turbines my entire life. Every time someone says something about a turbine killing a bird or causing cancer, you know, I hope that's not on my epitaph. But you know, there's there is uh, education. Right, yeah. like the number one killer of birds are cats. Right. Wow. So, yes. 
so, you know, so there's that. And, you know, I have, I have this PowerPoint, which I've talked about. And it's also not to try to get into that trap, but to actually just speak facts. And, you know, if, if people, I mean, I don't engage on Twitter that much with climate change deniers. I go to a point where I'll say, here's some facts and here's some thoughts and I'll, I'll let you be. And, and, you know, if they're trying to, you know, Twitter is, can be a very negative place. Mm-hmm. And if it's kind of a downward spiral, that's, I'm out. Yeah. Like, and it's just, that's not for me. And it's like, here, take a read. And if not, you know, what I suggest where you're from, here's a class or here's, you know, for free that you can listen to or, you know. So I, I think there's this, what's happened to is the, some brilliant, and I use that word knowing full well that how difficult it is, is that the lobbyists, right, from the smoking industry smokers and oil and gas are mm-hmm. now the lobbyists for climate change deniers, right? So it's the same people. Yeah. You know, they're not scientists and they are doing a great job of promoting this. So there is, if any scientist in the world is saying there's no such thing as climate change, they're, they're, not, a, they're not a scientist. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know what, in your answer and what you just said, I do think probably the sexy answer or the sexy way to deal with mm. um, addressing climate is about how people can save money. Because isn't that mm. what it's always coming down to? And when you talked about the farmers and mm. what they're doing and being very progressive in the way that they're um, choosing to, fu- you know, to do their job, that it sounds to me like they're finding ways to save money. And mm-hmm. that's what it's all about in the first place. So I think that, you know, that's kind of interesting. It's rather than saying, all right, um, you know, we're going to be underwater in three years and everybody's going to be dead and everything is awful. That's what people want to avoid. I think that, I mean, even though we get those warnings and we see that the ice is melting and it's terrifying and all of that, um, obviously it's terrifying and it makes people so afraid they choose not to pay attention. But if it's, if it's, you know, packaged in a way to say, hey, look, there are solutions to some of these problems and those solutions can either make or save you money. I mean, obviously with, you know, with solar, my mother is a big solar person and uh, we used to Mm -hmm. live in Northern California. Now we live in D.C., but... Um, she got, you know, in, in Santa Rosa, California, she got, um, Mm. the solar panels on her condo and it really made a difference. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she moved here and now she's got them on her house. And of course, during, during the summer months when everybody's paying several hundred dollars a month for air conditioning, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't really have Mm -hmm. to pay anything. And, um, so anyway, you know, of course, air conditioning does lead to, part of the climate chaos, as you say, I, I like climate mm-hmm. chaos. I'm going to use that, but you know, I mean, it saves her money. And really that was, you know, I mean, she's always been very uh, liberal, very progressive, and she has always wanted to do what she can to help uh, our climate and our environment. So she's been mindful, but of course the motivating factor was money. You know, she's getting screwed by PG and E in uh, Southern or Northern California. And she was like, all Mm -hmm. right, then I'm going to get solar panels. And it's just, it it was the best thing she ever did. So uh, more and more people just need to kind of get on board that, you know, uh, acknowledging this and doing something about it can be beneficial to them, not just in the long run, but in the short run. Right. And seeing results quite quickly in that. Right. So, you know, that's part of, I, you know, although I, I, I am involved in, as an engineer in all the renewable energy portfolio, I often get asked to implement wind turbines, which because 
just the sheer size of them and the symbolic nature of them, it's most difficult to implement. And I actually, and so I've been going to red states for about almost 20 years and bringing teams out and implementing wind farms and teaching classes and getting people off of coal onto the green economy. And most often than not, at least one time on the trip, there'll be a family who uh, will say, you know, we, we looked at your website, but we think we vote differently. I said, oh, okay. And so do you mind if, especially in the South, they'll say, you know, would you come for a visit? And so, you know, I bring a diverse team of millennials, Gen Zs all over, and, and they said, I think this is Trump voter. And I said, look, it, when you're here and someone asks you for a visit, you are respectful. This is how mm-hmm. a conversation happens. Yeah. And so, as, you know, unless something gets completely out of hand, you know, and, you know, but we, we need to have these conversations and to learn from them, from yeah. both of each other. Right. So as opposed to walls, putting walls up, we need to break the walls down and have a long, longer table. Right. So and I said, look, I, I know you're vegan, so just eat what you can. But just let's just just suck it up and let's deal with it. And so, <laughs> you know, and and you know, the conversations are heartbreaking, you know, so there's some families I've gone to and they said, so, you know, we voted for this president. And I said, OK. And they said, you're not going to say anything negative. I said, well, no, I, I'm, I'd like to know why. And I'm curious. And she said, so the mom of this um, 25-year-old who took my class about how to be a uh, wind turbine installer, and we call them wind ca- turbine cowboys in the mm-hmm. West. That's kind of a name I use because um, it makes sense in mm-hmm. Texas. So um, they said, so you're helping our son, both two of our sons getting new careers and such. And, and they, and they said, I don't think you voted the same way I did. I want to know why you're helping our sons. And a lot of times these conversations, and I said, you know, this is heartbreaking, right? Like yeah. this is for human beings, right? So <laughs> it's empathy. It's of course, I'm going to help my fellow man. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course I want your family to get jobs and we're all at the end of the day, regardless of what we're doing, we all want to put food on the table for mm-hmm. our families, whatever that looks like, whatever your family looks like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're listening and they said, so can you help us a little bit with our votes about next cycle for 2020? And I said, well, let's look at, you know, I can, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I can advise. I can also tell you, you know, what you can look for mm-hmm. and voting down ballots and like, you know, look for Senate and state Senate and, you know, going down ballots who you vote for. And, you know, it's, it's also, they said, so this wind energy thing, I said, yes. They said, so it's going to save us money. I said, yes, yes. Overall, it's going to save an oodles of money for years. And I've had this, the same conversation for the last 20 years. So, you know, it's, a combination of solar and wind and battery storage, et cetera. So at the end of the conversation, you know, there's a lot of emotions. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, what what's heartbreaking in all of that is, because I get that all the time, is why would you, why would you want to help us? Hmm. And, you know, that's, and I said, I've, you know, we're not, are we really that far mm-hmm. gone? Right. And it's, I said, I, you know, you, you voted for how you did, you know, talk about what white privilege is, which they said, a lot of times people are saying, well, and I have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're trying to make ends meet 
we're not making, we're trying to get above water. What does is, what is white privilege mean? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, okay, for example, I live in Santa Monica. Um, if I am driving um, to, I don't know, I'm going to a client or, you know, going out, um, I never for once worry about the police pulling me over. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't think going to my car, I think, okay, where's my license? Where's my registration? You know, I never think about any of that. Now, if, and because I'm a commissioner, I, I tend to know a lot of uh, public officials. Um, now, if you're a person of color, you know exactly where your license is, registration mm-hmm. is, and sometimes, most times, you'll tape it on your steering wheel. And the same white family will say to me, really? And I, they said, yes, yes. And they'll have a camera um, and just in case to take pictures of what's going on. Yeah. Because, and I'm not saying, you know, I, I have so much appreciation for police and, you know, this um, we had in Santa Monica a, a fabulous chief um, who's in Texas now. She's retired and she was fabulous. And she's always like, Lenny, you should be a police get on to the police force. And I said, no, it's going to still scare me, but thank you. But I respect her immensely. And it's, yes, of course, I think there's good officers. Absolutely. But there yeah. are some bad apples like everywhere, yeah. right? Just there, there are. And so it's kind of, you know, having conversations and not, you know, with social media and other things. And also, I mean, Facebook with doctored videos, yeah. you know, and, and that's, that's going to be a huge play through mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a meeting that, a couple of days ago with some AI folks who are bipartisan and they're looking to put on the, on any video, regardless if it's left or right, it has to be bipartisan. Otherwise it's not going to work mm-hmm. and it'll be a symbol. So it'll show this video is not doctored. Oh, wow. So I saw, yeah, I saw some videos with Obama uh, that were doctored and not doctored. And my goodness, it was, you know, uh, Obama with Trump's voice in there. Hmm. And it was really scary. So this is, I mean, this is here. This is Mm -hmm. now, this is cyber warfare, Mm -hmm. right? This is how Trump will win. So the idea is that candidates can use this and parties can use this. And it's part of, you know, protecting America, Mm -hmm. right? Because, I mean, they're doing this in China. They're doing this in Russia. And, you know, people woke up this year, this last election, saying, oh, my goodness, Russia tapped into our elections. And it's like, they've been doing that for years. You know, that's mm-hmm. my, my inner voice. I'm like, no, <laughs> we've been doing this. They've been doing this. It's been going on for years. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Right? But a whole lot of people woke up after this president and said, oh, my goodness. You know, well, so- I think, yeah, part, partly because they were so successful in an online um you know, campaign, the, the cyber, people don't really understand, they get it if you take down the Twin Towers, but when it's cyber warfare, yeah. they don't really put it together, and unfortunately, what winds up happening is, you know, we all get so emotional, I, I'm kind of, and I've talked about this before, so I won't go too much into it, but I saw it happening, because uh, initially, I supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, I wound up voting for Hillary mm-hmm. enthusiastically, but um when I supported Bernie, I was in these, you know, Facebook groups and they initially started out very positive. They were all very pro Mm. Bernie. And if somebody ever said anything negative about Hillary, they got chased out. They're like, we're not about this. We're about Bernie. And around April of 2016, that's when the attacks really Mm. began in full force. And all these groups that had once been, you know, just loving kind of peaceful pro Bernie, 
sites were now anti-Hillary and lies and, you know, I mean, there was the, the, one of the things that I very specifically remember, kind of what you're talking about, and I'm not exactly sure what they did, but um, when Hillary was on 9-11, when she, like, mm. kind of passed out, um, there immediately there were stories popping up that she has a double and that, of course, she was in poor health and she was going to die any minute. And then there was this body double that was the one that was going out and doing work for her. So here I was supporting Bernie Sanders and I'm looking at this information and I'm looking at, you know, these pictures of this woman who doesn't really look like Hillary, but kind of looks like Hillary. Mm -hmm. And it made me question. It didn't make me question so much her. I never hated Hillary. I just, I didn't, Mm -hmm. I, I, I preferred Bernie. I just preferred his vision. Mm -hmm. Um, my, I, I no longer support him. I will support him if he becomes the nominee, but I'm not going to vote for him in the primary. Sure. But, but still, I support his overall vision, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, mm-hmm. I like the vision that he has for this country. It's just that, you know, I, I had certain feelings about Hillary, and I, I, did, I knew that she's a wonk. I knew that she's not the best, uh, you know, as far as shaking the hands and talking to the people that what mm-hmm. she admitted. That's not my thing. My thing is the work. And, um, but I just, I felt like maybe we needed a new, you know, just a new kind of, uh, way to go about governing. And that's why I liked Bernie. But when I saw these videos, I, I, even though I didn't hate her, I would question her and I would wonder like, what's this about, you know? And then there was this guy, H.A. Goodman, who initially was all about Bernie and now he's H.A. Goodman for Trump. So, but he, every day he was like, she's going to be indicted. She's going to be indicted. She's going to be indicted. I mean, it's every day. And all the Bernie people were hanging on his every word as if it was actually going to happen. And has she been indicted? No. Did she die? No. <laughs> you know, but it was like you would, you would read these things and it would make you wonder. And so, you know, you're talking about this, um, the artificial intelligence and the way they're able to doctor uh, videos. And it's quite scary. So... You know, I'm, I'm very hopeful about what you're talking about as far as being able to realize which videos are, you know, doctored and not, because that's, this is extremely scary. I mean, I think, I think my personal view on 2020 is I, I'm pretty much convinced that voters are going to show up. I mean, they showed up in 2018. Trump was their motivator, whether they were for or against. I don't think that's going to change. What's, what's. You know, we have to worry about is Russia and foreign adversaries. It's not just Russia now because mm-hmm. he's invited all of them in the world to help him. So, um, you know, it's just it's something that um, you just got to wait till the voting day to find out. You know, it's like, oh, God, it's just it's, it's getting it's really getting tough for me. I, I do want to switch gears, though, because, again, mm-hmm. your resume is so diverse and interesting. And you mentioned in your bio um, that you mm-hmm. sent to me and I talked about in, in the intro that you're a rape survivor and that you're, you mm-hmm. became a commissioner. So explain to me, to us, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And just talk about that. Sure. Sure. So I, um, I have always thought I'd maybe run for office, but for, you know, I now, which I think authenticity sells. So any ex, those or any ex-lovers that doesn't really matter anymore but um i think people want truth and they don't want you know um a fake candidate they want someone uh, yeah i hope so and you know i think but which is you know 
I actually met Trump in the '90s when I lived in New York, and he is who he is. Yeah, you know that's so you know that's authenticity to a different level. Um, Second guest in a row that I've had that met Trump. I I, I spoke with Kirk Acevedo really? last yeah last Wednesday, and he met him as well. Kind of funny. Yeah, I've met him. Th- yeah, three times when I was on working on Wall Street. Yeah, it was quite hmm. interesting. And just yes, he was he was who he is. Yeah. And you know, he grabbed and kissed my friend, and <sighs> I I kicked him in the in the balls. And, really? You know, that was you. Got, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you kicked Trump in the balls. I did. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God! That, I mean, this is how I'm going to sell the show. The climate scientist <laughs> that kicked Trump in the balls. Wow. <laughs> I bow to I, and you. I played play professional soccer, so that was a really hard kick. Wow. <laughs> wow. So what happened after you kicked him in the balls? Uh, he just, well, he fell to his knees and just said, I can't believe he did that. And I, you know, I, I cussed and cussed and cussed and said, you do not go around just grabbing women and kissing women. Wow. You know, you just don't do that. So this is, you know, you can't do that. And we're going to call the cops. This is, you know, assault. You do not touch a woman without her permission, Mm -hmm. period, full stop. And, um, he said, no, please don't call the cops. Please. And he's on the ground. And I said, no, we're, we're calling the cops. He said, no, no, no. And he said, no, can we financially? I said, no, 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 I don't want any of your money. No, no, this is not, this is, so he said, look, I'm, I'm just really sorry. And my friend did not want to push it. It was up to her, right? Yeah. Cause he assaulted her. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. So, you know, wow. she said that, that she kind of, after he left, she laughed about the, me kicking him, but I, you know, I'm, <laughs> it, it was, it's ultimately it was her choice. Right. So I, you right. know, so that's where that, um, is yes. So, you know, in university, um, I survive as a rape survivor, and um, there's many rape survivors out there. Um, so part of the Me Too movement. Uh, getting into being a commissioner, I never thought about getting into public office. I, you know, I was walking. We have in Santa Monica a beautiful park, and the lighting's not the greatest. And mm-hmm. I'm always careful about safety. And I saw the lights were kind of dull and. Um, not bright enough and I don't know if that was the artistic aspect or if they just ran out of money or whatnot. It was I mean it's a forty nine million dollar park. It's gorgeous. But so I asked a friend who said, Oh, I know a city council member you might want to talk to and so I talked to said city council member and and said, you know, I I live in live near the beach and I'm walking in this park and, you know, just for safety because a lot of friends of mine are women who run and they don't run when there's they're, they're not, they don't feel safe. And so my thought is, you know, how can I help put a change order in here? What can I do? And they said, he said, well, you, whoa, 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 you're not coming to complain about the city or anything. I said, no, no, no. I said, you're coming to me with a solution. I said, yes, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm an engineer. I work, I work in construction bond programs. I, I can even, you know, contact some companies that for lighting and that would do this type of thing because I've done this for schools. Maybe you could use some solar lights and it'd be fun. And, and he said, you're not asking for a job either. I said, no, I just, I want to run to the park. And he said, you need to be a commissioner. And I said, Oh, for goodness sakes. Wow. I don't, and I'm sure that wasn't, I said, why? <laughs> and um, he said, we need more people who are doers, you know, mm-hmm. and just not, complaining about the city and you know i think it'd be good to shake it up and i said look i 
I'm in politics for my career. You know, it's not a game. It's a job for me. He said, mm-hmm. no, but I think you'd be a great commissioner. So, you know, there's an opening if you, you should apply. So, and that was actually pretty hard. One of the hardest <laughs> to apply for, but nonetheless, I did. And um, I, I remember um, we were talking about uh, Domestic Violence Month and we were talking about sexual assault and um, at the beginning of my tenure as a commissioner. And I remember I was at a... Um, it wasn't a boys and girls club, it was, but it was a community group. And these kids were about to go to university or college and people they had speaking, you know, had the presentations out and they're, they're national organizations and they're great, but they weren't reading the room, mm-hmm. right? The kids were looking at the parents like, this is boring. I, I staffed, yes, how many people get raped and assaulted, da, da, da. And so I asked the person, like I was to speak anyways, I said, can I have a few more minutes? And she said, sure. She goes, the kids are not. I said, of course. I mean, that's, you know, they're not, some, you know, some, you just have to read the room. So um, I, I, there was a small group. I said, can everyone bring chairs closer? So we sat in a circle and you know, I said, I'm, my name's Elena Christopoulos and I'm a rape survivor. And um, I've helped produce a lot of films, but saying that out loud was, that was the, third time I'd said it out loud in a public setting. Mm-hmm. There was 50 people there. Um, and I said, I'm here for to, to, you know, I can see parents are worried about sending their kids to college. I see women, you're girls, you're worried about going to college. And I let me know how I can help you. And I can start off by telling you my story. And I started telling it and, uh, I would stop, drink some water, cry, and I still realized, wow, there's a lot I still have here. Mm-hmm. That, um, which a, f- a fellow commissioner had said, Elena, you know, this we all have luggages that we don't need to carry around anymore. And, um, you know, you, you know, by you sharing your story, that's very empower- empowering. At the same time, you know, it's also just to make sure you don't have to carry this around anymore. You can leave it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did a an event in downtown Santa Monica called Denim Day, which wanted to do things large. I suppose that's maybe the Leo and me. And um, I shared my story uh, on a public stage in a very public way. And um, Denim Day, which is one of the campaigns by Peace Over Violence, which I'm now on the board. And it's, you know, What that Denim Day means is uh, years ago, I think it was 1991, I'm I'm probably off on that number, uh, a woman in uh, Italy uh, was assaulted by a man, but she was wearing tight jeans. And the judge said she was asking for it because she was wearing tight jeans, so she was complicit in that. And the women in Italy went to the streets to protest, and the women... In, uh, this woman led this protest here in LA in Pasadena um, uh, about the same thing. So every year, the last Wednesday of April is Denim Day. Hmm. And um, so my first time I spoke back to, you know, with that was 500 people, and I had many people coming up to me after, and I, uh, survivors who I got their information, and I, I just needed to, to get out, or to, I needed some me time Mm -hmm. and what 
what I found by, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that every survivor needs to say their story out loud or in a public way, but what being commissioner has really given me a gift. And, you know, this year for Denim Day, we um, had a very diverse group. We had men speaking. We had uh, First Nations women. We had um, trans women. We had, you know, it was very getting viewpoints from different students speaking and you know voices that are powerful mm -hmm. and what I realized so I, I did my put this together did that did my spiel and, and there's a lovely video that the city captured of it which I'm very honored and got awards from senator and congressman about my my work in this and there was no I didn't cry and not that it's okay to cry but I realized and to thank the city council of Santa Monica for appointing me as a commissioner that for me, for my healing, my journey, by sharing my story in a very public way, I, I've healed. And I really didn't realize how much I fully hadn't lived hmm. uh, for me personally. Yeah. This is my story, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's my life as people say stories, but, you know, and it's not, not the first time that it happened to me in university. It's happened numerous times, but oh my God. the one in university, I, I was, it was touch or go if I was going to survive. Wow. Um, to which, yes, to, to which a lot of, you know, for years, I mean, I'm, I'm in my forties. So years I would text my parents, mostly text my dad and say, I'm, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Um, to which he said, you know, Lena, I, um, I'm very much my father's daughter. And he said, you know, I just don't know how you date. I don't know how you trust yeah. men. I just you know, how do you? And I said, I said, dad, you know, they took enough from me, right? They don't yeah. get to take anything more. Wow. So, you know, what that looks like for me is that, um, believing women's stories, it's volunteering at shelters. It is hearing friends, being part of the Me Too movement and supporting Tarana Burke and Alyssa Milano and what she did to amplify her voice. Mm -hmm. And part of that LA, which I've seen changes, you know, not just in the entertainment industry, but I've seen that through architecture, through science, through construction, through almost every sector. And um, it's impressive. And I think it's just you know, it'll, it's hard. I mean, with Harvey Weinstein and, you know, actresses mm -hmm. going after him and, you know, it just, it's, and what men can do is men can support women. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, so, you know, my, I think I was, yes, I was driving on PCH and just Malibu and just up the coast and, um, a very famous architect, uh, was outed for, uh, harassing and sexual assaulting women and uh one of one of the great architects actually and my husband's an architect and um he he said he said oh, yeah, i th believe this architect had exposed himself to many women mm -hmm. and my husband had said to me i'm sorry did has this i'm just uh, has this happened to you I said, what, a man exposing himself in the workplace? I said, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, "And he said, are you kidding me? I said, and of course, I wasn't not. I said, yeah, I'm not kidding. You know, this happens quite often. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he just said, he goes, why on earth 
what a man, and I said, you know, it's, it's about power, honey. It's never about sex. Right. Right. It's, I can do this at any time, any place, and I'm going to scare the living shit out of you. And I have that power as a man. I can do that. And get so, away with it a lot of the, most of the time. Get away with it. Right. Get away with it. Right. Until, you know, how many, how many women, you know, with Bill Cosby, how many women's mm-hmm. voices, you know, with so many, with Harvey, how many women had mm-hmm. to come forward, you know? So, and the, and the thought of a woman, you know, these fake stories, I mean, it just, you know, it just doesn't, I mean, yeah. for anyone to share their stories, it's, I mean, it's excruciatingly painful and not true i mean you it's it's truth when someone says their story so i think for men out there to become allies and that's where in politics too like a white man's white straight man's low low down on the totem pole right so how white men especially running in politics can be allies is really listen Mm -hmm. you know and hearing people and hearing women you know and i think for there's uh, there's a time where you know not all women have to say publicly if they've been assaulted or not but for me, that's the path I took, and I, I'm, at first I was nervous, and I actually had some people from my past, mostly men, who said, who knew that I was a survivor, and said, Elena, you're going to lose jobs, you're not going to get hired, and you know this type of thing. And I said, you're the reason why mm-hmm. women don't come forward. So you know, <laughs> uh, just so you know, I am, and just so you know, I don't really give a shit about your opinion. <laughs> well, good and, for you. <laughs> You know, and, yeah. and, and I said, quite frankly, if someone knows my past and doesn't want to hire me for something based on that, then I know exactly who they are and I don't want to work with them either yeah. anyway. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting yeah. is that I've always said that I was fortunate and I, and I am, but I was fortunate because I was never molested as a child. And I hear so many stories mm-hmm. from people um, saying, yeah, that happened to them. And then I also felt lucky because I hadn't ever really been a victim of assault but then I was doing my podcast with my partner and uh who's not here today but we were talking about an experience that I had when I was I was not quite I was probably like 19 and I met this guy who was 26 years old and we went out on a day I really liked him because he was he was a police officer who worked in the mall so he wasn't a mall cop, like he wasn't a uh, mall, okay. I always called okay. him mall vice, but he was actually a, a, a police officer who worked in the mall, and I worked, I was working in a store in the mall at the time, and so he would come around, and he was 26, and you know, he was a nice looking man and all this, so I was flattered by his attention, and then, you know, he asked me out on a date, and I was excited, and so at the time I was living in Los Angeles, and we went to my favorite restaurant, which was called the Mirabelle, I don't know if it's still there. But actually, I don't think mm. it's still there. But anyway, uh, we went there, and then we went for a drive on Mulholland. And he pulled over and started to kiss me, which I consented to the kiss, and I was glad to kiss him. And then all of a sudden, I noticed some movement. And I looked down, and he was jerking off. And I, I couldn't believe it. And I, and I said something to him. I, I, I think I, I said something along the lines of, are you? Or something like that. I didn't even finish. And he just kept going until he was done. I think he actually, no, I, I take that back. I think he wanted me to give him a blowjob, and I said no. And that's, that's mm-hmm. when he started to jerk off. And so I was explaining this scenario to my podcast partner, and she's like, you were assaulted. That was an assault. I mean, it wasn't a physical assault where he yeah. hurt me, but it was an emotional um, assault for sure. And I, you know, I mean, I was so, and I have been so, 
um, influenced by the patriarchy that that didn't even occur to me to think that that was an assault. It was kind of like a boys will be boys thing. I figured that's just how some men are. And, you know, I mean, he didn't hurt me. I didn't say anything to him at the time. Um, I didn't show him my disgust because I didn't know how he would react. I mean, I didn't even think about it that far. All I thought was, oh, my God, you know, this 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 was weird. And it, it, and it made me feel awkward and it made me feel unsure of myself. And, um, you know, I mean, I didn't feel like I was raped or anything like that, but it was it was just confusing and then the thing that was even worse like the worst part about it and I just cringe every time I think about it is I I wanted him to like me I still wanted him to call me because you know I'm six foot tall I have large bones boys men at the time I was 19 I wasn't like the popular girl I was pretty and all that but it didn't matter because I was bigger than everybody else and it didn't matter that I was slender I just I'm big I have big feet I have big hands and so I always felt awkward and I always felt unsure of myself and so this man who I thought was attractive and older um, I so desperately wanted attention from him that I was like I could in my mind write off what he did as acceptable behavior I guess I mean if you would have said to me is that acceptable I would have said no but what what was my reaction? My reaction was disappointment when he didn't want to go out with me again. So, I mean, you know, it makes me cringe uh, for my younger self, you know, that I was so, um, you know, I mean, my story isn't the saddest story out there. It's probably quite common. It's like you said, men are exposing themselves to women at work, and it's always about control. It's always about control. And it's just, it's so disgusting, and it's so sickening, and it's just um, interesting to me that it hadn't even occurred to me. That, that I experienced any kind of assault because that was an assault. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's, it's happened like that to many women who don't, yes, because just because you weren't hurt or that, but no, that, that is assault, right? Yeah. That's against your terms. And that's part of what I think in terms of rape culture, what people don't really fully understand what that means. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I wasn't consenting. Any type of sexual, right? Yeah, I didn't consent to sit there and watch him. I mean, you know, I mean, you could throw the question at a man like, um, uh, well, what if what if a woman that you went out with masturbated in front of you? And maybe quite a lot of men would be like, great, bring it on. But that would be if they wanted it because, you know, change it up and and, and put a woman in there that they don't want to know about. And then she does that in front of them. Then they feel um, I, I don't know if they would feel assaulted, but they would have been, you know, it would be victims of assault because, you know, I mean, I, I said to my, to my boyfriend, I'm like, you know, I mean, and this is a really gross comparison and I know it, but it's like what, you know, I said, if, cause he said something like, well, if I had gone out with a woman and she did that, um, you know, then, then that would be awesome for me. <laughs> and, and so I said, yes, but what if it was somebody like my stepmother? If my stepmother did that to you, you would be horrified. So you weren't you you don't offer consent as long if there's consent, that's one thing. But you know, right. so he would have consented. So that's not that's not what we're talking about. I didn't consent. To, he didn't ask me if I was okay with this. He just did it. And in fact, he kind of did it as a way to rebel against the fact that I wouldn't give him oral sex on you know on our first date in a car. So, uh, ugh. It's, and the thing that makes me so angry is I found him on Twitter and um, I wrote about this and a lot of people uh, 
have complained to me that I'm not outing him. And I'm not going to out him for various reasons. It would not help me in any way. And it would be my word against his. And it's all these years later. And I can't prove it. And it's just not worth it. But this man, A, is a Trump supporter, of course. And he is, um, he advises, like he, he gives talks on, he's an author and he gives talks to teens and parents, you know, like about good parenting. And it's like, it's so oh sickening to me. It's like, oh, really? If, if he did that with me, he did that with other women. Absolutely. He's done it before. And God only knows how far he's gone. So uh, it just makes me sick. It just, the whole thing makes me sick. Um, before we go, mm-hmm. I do want to ask you, because I'm, I was so thrilled to learn that you're an ERA advocate. So uh, mm. what, what, is, what is your, uh, what do you do? Or what, what's your take? Like, for instance, you work with Anita Hill, um, to get more women into STEM, and is it STEM or STEAM? Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? STEAM. Yeah. So, so the artist friends of mine kind of kicked me in the backside. So, remember the arts, right? And uh-huh. I said, yes. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I'm just you know, the science. So, STEM and STEAM. Uh-huh. So, and I said, of course, the arts, but there is a lot more women in arts. Mm-hmm. So, but that said, you know, so I, focusing them on uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, getting that. Um, and I mean, Anita Hill, there's not, you know, there's people you meet in your life who you, you, you admire and you, you have expectations and not many, I don't know if that's, I don't want to be too cynical, but not many really supersede that expectation. And Anita Hill is one of them. Yeah. Um, so she's just fabulous. I mean, she is really, and I think through her faith and her family and her sisters who I met, they're fabulous and family, but it has helped her get through that. I have no idea what that was like in America at that time. Right. So, but, um, uh, yes. So with regards to the ERA, um, I got pulled into that to help with Arizona efforts. Oh, wow. Did not succeed. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, I got pulled in a little too late, so I believe I don't think there was enough outreach with schools and um, the grassroots movement there, mm-hmm. right? So, but and also, you know, when the vote happened, so ERA Arizona was is still going strong, but mm-hmm. when the vote happened, to the people who were co-signers, one said in, in air quotes that they were in Vegas on an emergency and couldn't make the vote, and the other mm-hmm. person didn't vote against you know, voted against her, her own, her own bill. So, you know, it's, and I think because, you know, being Canadian, right. You know, we have equal yeah. rights. There's, there is, right. So to, I think and I'm trying to understand here where I think a lot of people think through the suffragettes through Gloria Steinem, that the ERA's passed and I'd look yeah. at more, you know, that, Oh yeah, we've done that, you know, and it's like, no, no. Right. And, you know, the conversations of, you know, if you have a, boy and a girl you've got two kids and you're going to tell your son that he's going to be able to get paid higher he's going to be able to do all of these things like it's just he's going to get higher pay and for doing the exact same job yeah and that's just not acceptable and you know so i almost it's kind of crushing arizona the that one took me back quite a bit and um the activists there on both sides of the aisle um 
I've got the sash, the RA sash, and I will keep fighting. It's, I don't think people realize we're only one state away. Like that's, right. that's what you had said. Right. So I think there's that education and I think it's like, Oh yeah, didn't those hippie women pass it back <laughs> in the sixties? I think yeah. that, you know, that's, and it's, and actually these are very educated people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, no, no, it's, <laughs> we're, so I think when I started recently with Arizona, I think, and with the votes and my gut just said, you know, I, I, you know, Alyssa Milano, uh, Piper Peebo, there's a lot of actors and activists, but, you know, ultimately, um, I, I, it really took me back when the vote, even though I w- wasn't surprised, I think, you know, cause I grew up in a country which has, we don't have, we have the ERA, which a man and woman will be paid for the same job, mm-hmm. for the same t- duties, that they'll be treated equally and equal means equal. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of thought for my goodness, for younger women, what does that look like? You know, like at this day and age that, and also parents telling, you know, my friends telling their kids what that means. Cause they're like, mom, what this, you know, because it's the social media. So Yes, I will continue to fight the fight, and if it's through a city level or c- connecting through other congressmen and senators, and you know, I think I still think there's an education miseducation on that that a lot of people still don't know. We have the ERA is not passed. There's that group of people, and there's people who said, "Oh, Atlanta, it'll never get passed." Mm-hmm. Look at the states we have now, you know, and so, um, so I help to do that uh, and make sure that the ERA is mentioned in presidential candidates when they speak about it and also senators and around the world or around the country. So yes, Castro was, I think the first person to mention we must pass the ERA in the first debate. Yes. Yeah, he was. And then it was funny because um, uh, I think it was like Kamala brought it up to Biden and Biden mm. was like, Hey, I was fighting on it. You're so like, they were like fighting over who supports the ERA more. And I was like screaming. I was so excited. Um, you know, I was introduced to the, the equal rights amendment by a woman by the name of Kamala Lopez, who was making a documentary. Yes, I know her. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. She made equal means equal. And so I was giving a speech at the Capitol building in 2012 I was at that mm. time, I was the spokesperson for rock the slut vote. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so uh, she approached me and she said, do you believe men and women are equal in America? And I think I said yes. And she said, no, you're wrong. And here's why. So she was the one who introduced me to it. And I just like Alyssa, when I introduced Alyssa, I was like, this is going to be my new mission. And I was a blogger at the time. So I started writing about it. And, you know, I was working, there was a couple of things that I did, um, just I'd say small potatoes, but I I know that we were, at the time, there were three states that were needed to ratify. So Mm -hmm. we, and I've told this story before again, so I will be short, but um, one of the things Mm -hmm. that I I offered myself up as the bad cop, if you will, to, to ERA activists who were in individual states. And so one of those states was was Virginia, and um, so... What's his name? Um, I can't think of his name. Mark something. I, I'll think of it in a minute. But anyway, we were trying to get this guy, the senator, to um, you know basically just sign on to remove the deadline. It wasn't a vote or anything like that. Just just signing on to a resolution to remove the deadline. And so we were just getting basically patted on the ass. You know, thank you know you guys are cute trying to do this, but whatever. So I was like, all right. So I, I when I when I spoke to this guy's campaign manager, or I should say chief of staff. 
I said, mm-hmm. look, if I don't get an answer about what he's going to do, I'm going to write an article about it and I'm going to call him out for, for mm-hmm. the fact that he's not even addressing it. And, um, and so the chief of staff said, why are you threatening us? And I said, well, it's not really a threat. It's just I'm, I'm a blogger and I'm just going to convey what's happened. And so, uh, again, we get nowhere. And I said, all right, here, here. I sent them an email because they stopped taking my calls. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this blog out on Monday if we don't hear from you. And it was just not flattering at all. Not at all. And I'm going to have to look up his name because it's driving me crazy. But um, so I, you know, and I mean, I wasn't mean or anything like that. But um, I, I basically just called him out for not supporting women. And the fact that he's a de- Mark Warner. So, uh, of course, I put out the blog. Which gave me a stomachache because he's a Democrat and I don't want to go after Democrats, but it's like, come on, you know. Um, so yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, I put out Holding the blog. Holding people accountable. Yeah, mm. I, I put out the blog, and just like within hours, I got I got a message from one of my ERA activist friends on the ground, and she's like, "All right, he he's going to look at it." So it didn't take long, and he signed it. So I was like, "Woohoo!" And then and and ah. it was funny because I was able to to push and roll a few a few of them over. Some people just didn't care what I was doing, and I would threaten them with, you know, "I'm going to write a blog about you," and they didn't care. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, and I stopped doing that because it, 2014. I think I was doing that in 2013. When 2014 rolled around, I stopped because I knew we were in an election year, and I didn't want to go after Democrats. But anyway, so um, you know, I for a while. I was kind of one of there. There were few people online with some platforms that were posting about it. I was one of them, and and I had the biggest platform just because of the fact that I had access to a ridiculous amount of a very high profile Facebook political pages. And so, because of that access, I was right. able to share information when nobody in the news was talking about it. And I was, you know, whether it were me- it was memes or articles or whatever. And then I had help from other friends who had big pages, like being liberal, and uh, they would support us and share our, our, our memes or graphics and stuff like that. And then, it, you know, I mean, so there were mm. people were a little bit informed, but like you were saying, most people don't know. They think that it was already passed or they think that because we have the 14th Amendment that that's going to protect everybody. And I'm just going to explain real quick and real brief. The reason why the 14th is not enough is, number one, women are not even mentioned. Um, And and so what that means is when a woman is, whatever the discrimination is based on sex, whether it's equal pay or pregnancy discrimination or, um, you know, having to do with sexual assault, anything like that, when it is brought to court, a lawyer will say, all right, well, it's not, it's, you know, the 14th doesn't come over. The other lawyer on the other side can say, no, it, it does cover you, end of story. Or there's no way lawyers can make it stick because the 14th Amendment is too loose in its language and there, it, women are not specified. So that's one of these great things about the hearing that just happened in um, 2019, because uh, mm-hmm. not only were obvious, you know, whether it was equal pay or or the other things that the Equal Rights Amendment would protect, um, but LGBTQ came up, specifically mm-hmm. trans people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now, and, and I had uh, Kate Kelly on the podcast a while back who um, she also works with Alyssa and she's a lawyer and she explained mm-hmm. to me the wonderful thing about that particular hearing was that because they they addressed those um, 
those groups of people that they will be covered and, and the amendment is meant to cover them when this amendment is finally ratified and into our constitution, then, okay, let the lawsuits begin. And that's yep, when yep. we find out, okay, so a woman is not paid equally or a trans person is not paid, whatever it is, discrimination they're experiencing. Um, they can go right. back to this hearing and say, yes, this was addressed. So in a court of law, um, it holds a lot more weight when a hearing on the ERA says, okay, yes, this group of people is meant to be protected by this amendment. So, um, you know, now it's just a matter of getting that last date. If, if we can flip Virginia in 2020, mm -hmm. we have a very strong chance at uh, the ERA there and, and getting that state. And then what's going to happen is is the the lawsuits are going to begin with you know the whole um, yeah the the whole expiration of the deadline and and all of that and you know but there there are lawyers literally just standing there waiting they're waiting for this yeah. and they're ready so uh, I think that there's a strong chance that when you know I mean, there's going to be battles and it'll take a while of course because it's equality for women and that can't be easy can it. <laughs> no <laughs> so but you know eventually we're going to get there and i know maloney carolyn maloney wants you know likes or at least has introduced a start from scratch strategy strategy which i'm all for any strategy but first let's play out this they used to call it the street three straight strategy i can't even talk anymore three state strategy, three state um, strategy yeah. now it's only one so let's let's get that one and see what happens. If we have to go down the route of starting over, we'll go down the route of starting over. But I would like to, um, you know, we've already got 34. We just need that last one. So um, I'm. Uh, that's interesting that you were brought in in Arizona. I can only imagine how uh, frustrating that might have been. I mean, I think it, it was frustrating because they also voted the the two men, and I think one woman stopped it yeah. going from the floor in Virginia and it was just it was just so irritating you know you're you're like how can how can people be fighting against this and of course what they do is they say it's going to mandate abortion and they make it all about abortion yes. and and frankly um the truth of the matter is Roe v Wade was based on privacy not equality so yes. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know that there are people who have a lot more intelligence on this issue than I do when it comes to abortion. And I do think that the Equal Rights Amendment would, and I just don't know the language, but I think that when it comes to abortion, yes, I think it would help. But at the same time, if you're really going to get picky about it, it, you know, Roe v. Wade is based on privacy. And we might see, we might see that disappear altogether anyway. So, um, and abortion is already legal. So it's like, yes. Uh, yes. what's your big scare? You know, I mean, it's, it's already <laughs> legal. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and you're, you're, that's the, the piece, right? And Arizona doing, doing quite a good job of it too, was, was that this is not about abortion. This is about creating jobs and creating yeah. more jobs and getting more money into the economy. Yes. More, you know, that's, that's has nothing to do with abortion, but the minute that is even close to that's what. Yeah. They all always it. go back to the fear of, of, you know, murdering children as they like to as they like to say and it's just it's so ridiculous and you know that's a point that's so true because when women make more money in their jobs they put more money into the economy they also earn more for their social security so they're also in their uh senior years getting more money mm -hmm. and putting more money back into the economy so 
it's an economic issue, period. I mean, obviously, it's an equality issue, and it's anti-discrimination, um, and it's meant to protect people. But it's also an economic issue that helps all Americans. And it's unbelievable to me that there are people out there that are fighting tooth and nail to keep it. It's just, you know, it's like the 19th Amendment when Alice Paul was fighting for the 19th Amendment. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She went to jail and she was put in a straitjacket and went on a hunger strike and was force fed raw eggs through this metal um, like tube that they stuck down her throat and she had stomach issues. So she would like vomit blood and she did all of this. So we can vote. You know, it's just like, wow. Unbelievable to me that people were so against women voting that they would torture another human being. And eventually, thankfully, her, you know, her efforts paid off. And, um, you know, that's why I hate, I hate to see, you know, the, the right was given. No, it wasn't. It was fought for. Women no. died for no. this. We had to take yes. it. Yes. That was our birthright. And we had to take it. And, and then it was only white women. And it took a while for women yes. of color to get the yes. vote. It's crazy. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So that's why I am so grateful that there are women like you who are out there fighting. On so many, I mean, obviously, you're fighting for equality, but you're fighting for women to be in politics and in science. And I think that the thing is, is when, when we actually get to a point where you know, we have a balance of, of genders in those categories, I think it's just going to be, by default, a more equal nation. But it's just getting there. And so you're somebody who is so important because you're helping. You know, I mean, I, I can sit here on my podcast and I can scream about it and I can write about it. You're out there doing it. And so I, I really applaud you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, it's you know, it's, um, it comes with its cost being out there, right? Yeah. Like my health and other things. And, you know, I last election cycle, um, I burnt out in November. I yeah. took November off, you know, I, and that was actually Democrats who burnt me out. That's a whole nother <laughs> story. But, you know, I just, I advised at the end of the day, it was like six campaigns at the end. And, you know, it was just insane that I did that, but I just kind of, Oh, so, you know, burnout so high in politics. So it's, you know, I, I, I can do it. And then it just, my body just said, okay, we're done. We're yeah. done. And, um, so it took me a bit to get back into it. But so, you know, why I'm out working on a presidential campaign at the moment, advising some, but not, hmm. you know, cause if you are this year, uh, you have to put that everywhere, right. Mm -hmm. on Twitter, on Facebook, on this and that. So, I mean, I have a lot of, I support, um, a lot and I'll see, but I'm, it's also one thing we don't do. We Democrats do not, do down ballot, right? Yeah. This is something Republicans have done so well for so many years. And I mean, from from uh, Senate, state Senate to Congress to to local politics, which are seats that are have some wonky laws. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be on the water board, you have to own a home. Now, what is that all about? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's there's all of that. What that looks like, and local politics are tough. I mean, being commissioner has been tough, and it's you know what my what the job there is to advise city council on how to better the lives of women and girls within the city of Santa Monica. That looks at jobs, that looks at safety, that looks at education, that looks at um, career paths, that entrepreneurship, that looks at, um, I mean, last night we passed 
I mean, we made a recommendation to city council for that all hotel workers, which there are many in the city of Santa Monica, housekeepers, have a panic button. Hmm. And at the same time, um, they, they're not, their workload is less. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we passed a very aggressive uh, minimum wage two years ago, and there's a lot of blowback by business owners and such. Um, and then uh, this this happened. So I don't, it got passed. The ordinance got passed. Um, so I know the city's going to get sued, just like Long Beach and Oakland. Um, but, you know, to see, you know, I wasn't able, I was at another event, but to see, um, some workers coming there with shirts saying, you know, I, I, I work the amount of hours I need to work. I support my hotel. I'm just, you know, I want to scream at my phone, you know, and it's like, my goodness, you know, they're doing this. I mean, to live in the city of Santa Monica, and, I mean, people are housekeepers. What do they do when, you know, the, the human trafficking that goes on, the assault, the, you know, they don't know what they're going to walk into when mm-hmm. they go to clean a room. Wow. And, yeah. you know, they were talking about square footage was part of the ordinance that, you know, they have to, that to keep it at 3,500 and, you know, hearing from other sides saying, oh, that's not a lot of space. Well, no, I had a house that's 3,500 square yeah. feet. <laughs> I, that's, 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 no, that's a lot of overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no, that's, you know, I, and, it's also there's cleaning and there's you know pr- putting new towels and pr- you know food in the bar and doing all that so that's a heck of a lot of work so it's you know I guess for me my whole life it's just I've been quite a loud mouth at the same time <laughs> you know is I know I have white privilege I also uh, am thankful um, for all the things I've learned along the way and if I can make a difference in anyone's life and support them and whatever that means, you know, I, I'm here for that. So it's, you know, my, I turned 47 uh, on August 16th. And Happy birthday. I, so thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to get to 50. And I, I think it's a, it's a privilege. I've gone through a lot of bumps, a lot of, and a lot of lessons learned and, and I have blonde hair, and I enjoy it very immensely. And <laughs> might dress a little provocative because I really don't care because I, <laughs> I I am who I am, and I'm done apologizing for myself. So if that you know if that goes on, I I really love myself and who I am. And yeah, we all have stuff to work on, but yeah. you know that's that's not you know I won't. If I'm dyeing my hair dark. It's because I choose to, not because right. I feel I need to be not seen because right, right. damn hell damn right I'm going to be seen yes <laughs> <laughs> well why don't you tell everybody where they can find you your your social media and your um website and stuff sure so um my website is my first name last name.com so that's elena christopolis.com that my first name is e l e n a my last name is christopolis that's if you believe in a guy or woman upstairs, C-H-R-I-S-T, like Tom, O-P, like Peter, O-U-L-O-S, like Sam.com. On Twitter, I am being Elena L-A, and that's B-E-I-N-G-E-L-E-N-A-L-A. So on Instagram and Twitter, that's where you'll find me, and Facebook, if I mean being Elena L-A. Perfect. And then I'm also going to include links to your um, website and to your Twitter 
in the text of this Patreon show. So um, everybody can just go visit and click on her links and follow her on Twitter. And uh, thank you so much again, A, for what you're doing. It's really appreciated. And also for being on the show. You are an interesting guest. <laughs> thank you. And if there's women out there who want to get into science or politics, please email me. Uh, I've got campaigns and projects that I'd love to hire you. So oh, wow. That's, that's, that's great to, to know. Action. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And um, you take care. And uh, I'll probably be talking to you again. Thank, thank you so much. And thank you for all you're doing. And oh. really with the ERA and others, I really appreciate you. And thank you for a lovely conversation. All right. Have an absolutely beautiful day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was an interesting conversation. What a fascinating, I, I, I know I keep using that word, but there's like no other word to describe her. What a fascinating woman. Um, you know, she contacted me I didn't, I I usually reach out to see if somebody's available to be on the show. She contacted me and, you know, I looked her up and I thought, huh, she's kind of interesting. And, you know, the more I got to learn about her, obviously we talked about everything that I learned and I just thought this is a woman I need to be talking to. So, um, that was, that was really cool. Um, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, if you don't, at Author Kimberly, and that's author. And then my last name has an extra E, so it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Um, and then you can also follow Steph, who will be back, I think, in the middle of September. And she is at Lady Brain Show. And you can also visit my Amazon author page to see the books I've written. And one of them is The Virgin Diaries, where 72 people, men and women, gay and straight, described what it was like to have sex for the first time. And then there's also Peyton's Choice, which is a story about teen abortion. You can also, just going to throw this in there, my mom is an author. Her name is Ann Werner, A-N-N-W-E-N-E-R. Warner. She has an Amazon page and she writes, um, she and I worked on the Virgin Diaries together and she also, we worked together on um, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, where we collected stories from men, how they deal with a broken heart. But she's a fiction author and she's kind of like, a little bit like Stephen King, a little bit like Dean Koontz, if you're familiar. She's written several books. One of them, my favorite, is called Crazy. And Crazy is about, now it's a serial killer, a satanic serial killer with a twist. And I won't tell you what that twist is, but it's kind of different. And it's got a little bit of dark humor in it. And, and it's also very, 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 very loosely, the main character is loosely based on me. She's a six, fo- six foot tall blonde. And so like the gist of what's happening is there are six foot tall blonde actresses in Los Angeles getting murdered. And so you'll just have to read about that on, on Amazon. But she also has Dreams and Nightmares in Cooper's Grove. And Cooper's Grove is a cool book because it's like a ghost story, but it's like a ghost love story. And the people next door, there's a whole bunch. That's Ann Werner on um, Amazon. And don't forget, tomorrow I'm going to be answering your questions So on Ask Me Anything so you can um, ask anything, whether it's personal or silly or serious, whatever, you just ask anything. Um, and then just like I said earlier in the show, you can send a DM through Patreon. You can comment, whether it's on Twitter or on Patreon with your question. And I will see you tomorrow. And also, we're going to be, Start Me Up is coming back next week. I'm not sure who's going to be on. So you'll just have to tune in to find out. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.